So uh, we're super excited that you're here today. My name is Pastor Nick Newman. I want to say good morning and welcome to you. We're so grateful and excited that you chose to be here because you could have been anywhere this morning, but you picked Propel Church. Church, can you help me welcome every person here for the first time? Come on. We're pumped that you're here. And for those of you who are tuning in online with us, we're excited that you're here as well today. Believe that God's got something in store for you as you and I continue to seek after him in this holiday season. Now, we are in week two of a message series called Giving Up on Christmas because the truth is sometimes when we get into the holiday season, we're not all happy and joyful and cheerful. We look a lot like that guy, right? We, we got issues. Some stuff is going on. So last week, we talked about some things that we are giving up, and one of those is hopelessness. And we're going to give up on hopelessness. And as we give up on hopelessness, we're going to lay hold of all that God has for us. So we left last week with three declarations over our life that we would look above our circumstances. And we would lift our eyes because we believe that the more we focus on our problems, the bigger our problems become. But the more we focus on God, the bigger God becomes. And nothing is impossible for him. We realize that we're going to choose to see the best in people. And here's what I know. If you made that declaration and you tried to see the best in people, you had plenty of opportunities this week to do the opposite, right? Because that's how life works. And then the last thing we talked about is how we were going to be ready to present Jesus, the hope that we have if we were given the opportunity. So we talked about that last week. If you missed last week's message, you can go and listen to it. This week, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about giving up on materialism. We're talking about giving up on materialism. So I am going to talk about money today. So if you are here for the first time, I'm just going to tell you, we don't always talk about money, but we do talk about money a lot. And the reason is Jesus talks about money a lot. In fact, Jesus talks about money more than heaven and hell combined. And the reason is because God knows exactly what has the majority of our hearts. God knows what has our focus. He knows what has our attention. And the number one reason why you fight with your spouse is probably money, right? Because it's something that you and I tend to wrestle with a lot. So God talks a lot about it. So we talk a lot about it. But before we really dive in, materialism is this idea. It's the the tendency to consider material possessions or physical comfort as important or more important than spiritual values. In other words, we put stuff over God. And God doesn't mind you having stuff. In fact, I would say God, God loves for you to have stuff. He just really minds when stuff has you. Like when your stuff controls your life, when your stuff dictates the course and the direction or the way that you live, God has a big issue with it because you've placed something above him. And that's never the goal or the design. And so uh, this morning, I'm going to jump. If you have a Bible, go with me to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6 is where um, I'm going to read from. It is the Sermon on the Mount. And this Sermon on the Mount is incredible because what Jesus is doing is he's really, he's really teeing us up. If you ever want to know what living like Christ, what a Christian walk looks like, the Sermon on the Mount is it. So we go through these passages of Scripture and we read what it looks like to follow Jesus. And then Jesus gets to this area of money. And now sometimes, sometimes here's what happens. When people talk about money in the church, we really get like a little, do me a favor, take a deep breath with me. Let it out. Because here's what you need to know. God doesn't need anything from you, but he wants something for you. And the principles I'm going to show you today, I think, can help you. I don't even know what those principles are yet. But the principles I'm going to show you today, I think, can be really beneficial in your walk with Christ. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, this is what it says. Jesus is talking, 
It says, don't store up treasures here on this earth where moth and rust eat them and uh, where moths eat them and rust destroy them, where thieves break in and steal. Instead, store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust can't destroy. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The first thing I think we should do as followers of Jesus in the area of money is we have to examine our investment. So Jesus has told a story. He's, he's telling these guys, hey, if you want to know how the kingdom of God works and you want to know how money works, here's what I'm going to tell you. Don't store up treasures on this earth where moth and rust can destroy. In other words, where they just break down. They, over a period of time, things are happening and all of these things are crumbling away. They're fading away, right? Don't just invest in stuff. You need to have your investment somewhere where thieves can't break in and steal and where the value doesn't depreciate over time. If you really want to make a difference in the kingdom of God, what you have to do is examine your areas of investment. And so we get into these holiday seasons oftentimes. Uh, we, we just came out of one, right? You had Thanksgiving dinner and it was incredible. Come on, how many of y'all ate a bunch of turkey? You ate way too much food. I'm like a, I'm a ham guy, right? So, but I had some ham in Jesus' name. Everybody needs a honey-baked ham in their life, except for a vegetarian. But anyway, so, so I had some incredible Thanksgiving meal. And normally, here's what would happen. Tori and I would go to sleep. We'd wake up. And, and, and about one in the morning, we, we would be ready. We, we're going shopping. We're going to go get us a new toaster, and we're going to save $25 on this toaster, even though they've marked it up $30 before they discounted it, $25. We are, we are ready, but we had to get Starbucks, or we had to get some coffee, and we spent about 20 bucks on coffee. So really, we didn't save any money. We spent more money than originally intended, and that's kind of how our Black Friday gone. We punch one or two people, you get your microwave, and you go home. Just kidding, don't punch people. <laughs> Black Friday, we, we have these holidays where we, we intentionally just spend and spend and spend and spend and we're accumulating more and more and more stuff. And the truth is, oftentimes, we, we buy stuff with money we don't have to impress people we don't like. Right. Our investment into material things really does make a difference. Did you know that the average person in America has about $9,333 in credit card debt alone. We're spending money on things that we never intend to pay for. And as followers of Jesus, God has no desire for you to go into debt. Because oftentimes what we're doing when you and I are just investing into things is we're trying to earn the love and the affection of other people through gifts. We're trying to buy them gifts in hopes that they'll love us more or they'll care for us more. And I'm just going to tell you, if you're looking for satisfaction in giving other people stuff, you're going to go broke before you ever find satisfaction. You have to examine your investment. So what Jesus is doing is Jesus has been talking to this group of people in Matthew chapter 6, and he says, here's how money works in the kingdom of God. Don't store up treasures here on this earth. And I'm not telling you that Black Friday shopping's bad. I told you I'd do it, right? Like, I'm not telling you Black Friday shopping's bad. But as a follower of Jesus, you have to examine your investment. You have to examine where you spend your money. I don't get to tell you how to spend your money. But somebody should. Come on. And it ought to be God. Right. 
you and I have to examine our investment. And then Jesus is, is really clear. He, he says this in verse 21, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. In other words, if you want to know what you really value, just look at your bank statement. Like if you, if you want to know what the priorities of your life are, just look at what you spend money on. Because where your treasure is, where you invest your time, where you invest your talent, where you invest your money, all of that stuff, wherever you put that in, that's where your heart is. So what would your bank account say about what you value? Because your values really come out based on what you choose to invest in. You and I need to examine our investment. Are we just spending money? Are are we just going more and more into debt for these things? Parents, let me just encourage you. If you are buying a gift for your kid that they'll play with for four weeks, but it takes you four months to pay off, it's not worth it. God didn't design you and I to live in debt because this is what, um, it's, it's in my notes from this morning. Proverbs 22.7 says this, Just as the rich rule the poor, so a borrower is a servant to the lender. The reason why God doesn't want you in debt is because it makes you a slave to something. You are enslaved. And if you and I don't have the financial freedom to go wherever God wants to send us or do whatever God wants us to do, or if you and I don't have the financial liberty to, to, to go through the doors that God is opening, if you literally can go shopping and then not have the ability to pay for a homeless person's meal, there's an issue. Right. And we need to examine our investment. Matthew chapter 6, we'll continue reading. Because he, he says, wherever your treasure is, there your heart will be also. He says this in verse 22. Your eye is a lamp that provides light for your body. Whenever your eye is good, your whole body is filled with light. But whenever your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. Second thing you need to do is you need to examine your vision when it comes to money. Examine your vision. You and I, the way we see money matters. Like like foundationally, whose money we think it is matters. Because according to what Scripture says, every good gift is a gift from God. I don't know about you, but I love when money hits my bank account. I'd consider that a good gift. Every good gift is a gift from God. Yeah, yeah, but I worked for it. I did this, I did this. If it wasn't for God, you wouldn't have those things. And you can argue and you can do all this, but but really, if you want to argue with the fact that God's blessed you, like, you don't. You and I have been blessed by God. A hundred percent of everything we have comes from him. Our jobs come from him. Our finances come from him. Our family comes from him. And if you and I don't have the right vision of those things, we're going to be led astray. So Jesus says, your eye is a lamp that provides light to your whole body. And what he's trying to get at is, if your vision is off, your whole body is off. 
There is not a follower of Jesus that has a thriving relationship with Christ and doesn't trust God with their money. Because if the vision is off, the whole body's off. If you think or you're convinced that you can trust God with everything except your finances, it doesn't work. You can look at Mark chapter 10. Mark chapter 10, there's a story of uh, the rich young ruler. And in Mark chapter 10, the rich young ruler, he, he had all these possessions. And Jesus is asking him. He, he comes back to Jesus and he says, I've kept all the commandments since I was young. Jesus looked at him and he loved him for he thought he was an idiot. That's the Nick Newman translation. It's not what it really says. <laughs> it says Jesus looked at him, he loved him, he had compassion for him because he realized that this guy Thought he had everything together on the outside, but on the inside he had an issue with money that he hadn't dealt with. Why? Because it says it in in Matthew chapter 6. It says, but if when your eye is bad, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. I wonder how many of us are convinced that we actually have light, but because we don't trust God with our finances, we're still stuck in darkness. The rich young ruler thought he had it all together. And then Jesus pointed out this one thing. He said, you, you got an issue with money. The scripture says that Jesus looks at him and he says, go sell all your possessions to the poor, then come follow me. Because what we're going to find out in a second when we continue reading in Matthew chapter 6 is you can't serve both God and money. It doesn't work. So he's not telling him to go sell all his possessions because God doesn't want you to have stuff. There's some forms of teaching that would say that, that what you need to do to be a growing follower of Jesus is to sell everything you have. I don't think that's how God works. On the other side of it, people believe that it's this thing called prosperity gospel, which is that God's ultimate goal is for you to be healthy, wealthy, and blessed. And that's not it either. Biblical prosperity is summed up in this one word. It's called stewardship. Because when you understand what you've been given and you trust God with what you have, he supplies every need. Stewardship is the ability to realize that everything I have comes from God, and because everything I have comes from God, he's the owner, I'm the manager. I don't have to carry the responsibility of striving or providing or feeling like if I just work hard enough, I'll be able to do it on my own. He's the owner, I'm the manager. And my responsibility as a good manager is to use the money I've been entrusted with in a way that pleases the owner. So as we examine our investment, the first verse 19 through 21 of Matthew chapter 6, as we examine our investment, we look at what God's done in our life and we're looking at the things he's blessed us with and the things he's entrusted us with. We've got to look at what we're giving back, what we're giving to, what we're investing in. Because if it's not making an eternal difference, if it's not making an impact in the kingdom of God that, that changes things forever, we're just building castles here on this earth. And do you know what? When you die, your house ain't going with you. And your car's not going with you. And the stuff you have isn't going with you. My Jordans aren't going with me. I'm not sad about it, I promise. Your stuff's not going. 
What are you doing with what you've been entrusted with? What's your vision like in the area of money? Do you see it really as God's money or do you see it as yours? Do you see yourself as an owner or do you see yourself as a manager? Do you look at it as being God's money? Because if you don't, your vision is skewed in the area of money. And oftentimes people get a little uptight and and anxious about money. And if this sermon on money makes you uncomfortable, I'm telling you, it's the conviction of God and it's a blessing today. Because what God's really trying to reveal is you've got an issue with money and he doesn't want you to chill with it. He wants you to deal with it. He doesn't want you to just continue to hold on to your issue with money. He wants you to realize it and then do something about it. You and I have been blessed by God incredibly. I think part of examining our vision is taking a look at what God has blessed us with, what God has entrusted us with. Because the truth is, if you have a job here today, you are in like the top 10% of income earners in the entire world. If you have a roof over your head and a car in your driveway, you're in the top 1%. There are so many people who are so much worse off than we are. And oftentimes we don't take an inventory of what God really has blessed us with. God has blessed you beyond all imagination and all, but but if you get stuck in comparison, I think that's why greed is so tricky. Because you and I won't think we're greedy as long as we have somebody who's a little more greedy than we are. As long as we can look at somebody else and how they spend money or how they do it, we, won't, we don't have to take our inventory or our money into account for how we spend our money because we know somebody else that lives more lavishly than we do. And you're stuck in darkness. God, you're not going to get to heaven and God's, God's going to ask you what they did with their money. He's going to ask you what you did with yours. He's going to ask you what you did with his son Jesus and what you did with the stuff he entrusted you with. We have to examine our investment. We have to examine our vision because how we see God's money really does matter. A couple of questions that I have for you is, do you measure yourself and others by where you live, what you drive, and what you have? If so, your vision of money is skewed. Are you generous? Do you give to those in need? Do you tip waitresses well at the restaurant. Look, can I just tell you something about Christian? I'm going to hit a pet peeve for a second. If the Lord would let me, I'd like to punch Christians who don't tip. He won't let me. He won't let me, but I'd like to. Do you, do you know that there's so many waitresses, that, uh, waitresses and waiters that don't come to church because of how they get treated on Sundays when they serve? What a horrible example for followers of Jesus. If you have a waitress or a waiter, you shouldn't just tip them what you think is fair. God doesn't give you what you deserve. He gives you more than you deserve. Like, That's right. All right. You got me? Stupid devil. All right. 20% should be a minimum. Like, you, you and I shouldn't even have to wonder whether or not we're going to tip. 
oftentimes we'll, we'll measure the tip based on how someone else performs or how they do. Who cares you didn't get a refill in the time you thought was necessary? They served you, you give generously. You and I as follower of Jesus are called to be generous. Are you, how do you view your money? How do you view your things? Do you regularly, systematically, and joyfully give to God's work through the church? Because oftentimes we, 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 we pick other organizations or other areas. Look, God is calling his people to invest in his mission. And your giving to the local church matters. You don't give to a local church. You give through the local church. So sometimes in the area of money, here's where you have skewed vision. You only give when you come. It's still your money, not God's money. Because if it's God's money, it don't matter whether you show up on a Sunday or not. You only give when you like what's going on. Or you only give to the areas where you think it's best used. It's not your money. It's God's, it's, it's God's money. It doesn't matter where you think it should go. If it's God's money, the whole purpose of tithing is that you're not in control of it. It's God's money. And so people ask, Pastor, well, can I, can I give my tithe, which a tithe is 10% of my income. Can I, give, can I give that tithe to this organization and that organization? I'll give a percentage to the church. If you're telling God where your money goes, you're still in control of your money. The goal of tithing is to say, God, I'm going to give to the church I'm planted in. I'm going to give to the church I'm rooted in. And I'm going to trust you with 10%. You have to have good vision for your money and your finances. Oh, third thing. I'll read you a passage and then I'll figure out what it is. It says this in verse 24 of Matthew chapter 6. No one can serve two masters, for you will hate one and love the other. You will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. I think the third thing you have to do is choose your loyalty. Choose your loyalty. This is a test or a thing that all of us have to wrestle with. We have to wrestle through where we spend our money. We have to wrestle through what we do with what we've been entrusted with. We have to wrestle through how God has blessed us and thank him for that. But you and I cannot serve God and money at the same time. We can't. So you have a choice. You're either going to go all in with God in the area of finances, which means you tithe regularly, you give him 10% of your income, or, or you don't. And I'm not here to tell you that you have to do one or the other. You just need to know that according to what Scripture says, you either trust God fully with your finances, or you don't. Tithing is giving 10% of your income. But, but can I tell you that for followers of Jesus, tithing should not be your standard of giving. The cross should be your standard of giving. Let me ask you this. What would your life look like if Jesus only gave you 10% of his bloodshed? Like, what would your life look like if Jesus just, like, you were responsible for 90% of your sin and Jesus covered 10. <laughs> That's not how it works. Like tithing is Old Testament law. But Jesus in Luke chapter 11, he's talking to the Pharisees and he says, look, look, don't, don't neglect the tithe, but don't forget the important things. 
Like the important thing isn't that you give 10%. The important thing is that God has complete control of your finances because he has complete control of your heart. And if God has complete control of your heart, then in him, I think Ephesians 3.20 comes alive, that he is able to do more than we might ask, think, or imagine throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. I believe God's calling you and I to a season of extravagant generosity, like where we give more than we've ever given before, where we're trusting him with more than we've ever trusted him with before because we realize that everything we have comes from him. And when we realize everything we have comes from him, we're willing to be generous. We're willing to give. We're willing to say, okay, God, it's in, it's in your hands. Because we've watched God over and over and over again be faithful. And I'm telling you, you're not the anomaly in the area of finances. He's not just going to quit being faithful now. I didn't say that being generous or giving was always easy. Because can I tell you, generosity should be sacrificial. The cross was sacrificial. Generosity should cost you something. And for some of you, there's a big cost involved with 10% of your income. Like, like that hurts. But others of you, there's no cost involved in 10%. You don't even miss it. And your giving's not sacrificial, and God's calling you to increase what he's entrusted you with, to give back. Because when you give freely, this is what Proverbs eleven twenty four says, give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy. And lose everything. Oftentimes we feel like if we hold on to our finances or if we just control it, we can find some safety, some security, and some protection. But it's never going to be enough. When you and I hold tight to everything God's given us, we'll become hoarders rather than stewards. What Scripture also says is what's loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What's bound on earth will be bound in heaven. And I believe that the reason why many of us aren't seeing God financially bring breakthrough in our life is because we're not being good stewards of what we have now and we're just holding it with a closed fist. I believe God wants to bless you. I believe God wants to bless you not so that you can become wealthy or or prosperous. I believe God wants to bless you so that you can have wealth and bless others. Because the goal of biblical prosperity is not that you benefit, but that the world benefits. The reason why God is raising up men and women of faith who trust him with their finances to to own businesses is is so so that he can continue to advance his kingdom throughout the world. The goal is that lost people meet Jesus. The truth is it takes money to do that. And God uses his church to supply for his mission. So as followers of Jesus, God is calling you and I to be generous, to give, and to trust him financially. Verse 25 of Matthew chapter 6, and I'm going to come down to the plane, so you can go ahead and come back out. Can we pull this mic up just a little bit? It says this, that is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. Whether you have enough food or drink or enough clothes to wear, Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't have to plant or harvest or store foods in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. 
And aren't they far, aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Isn't money something we worry about all the time? Right, like we get stuck worrying. He says that there's, there's these birds that are in the sky and they're flying around. You know what the birds don't have to worry about? Birds don't have to worry about what to eat. Birds don't have to worry about where to find food or the fact that if somebody doesn't plant in one season, they might not have food in the next. Birds don't have to worry about that. He says, he says, look, if you really trust God with your finances, like if you really understand where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. If you really understand that you're not storing up stuff on this earth, but you're storing up treasures in heaven, if you understand that the eyes and your vision when it comes to money matters and you have God's vision over your finances, if you have all those things, you don't have to keep worrying about money because God provides. You say, well, how does he provide? I don't know. I just know that he does. And I could stand up here. I got five minutes and 29 seconds. But I could stand up here for the next four hours and tell you story after story after story of God's provision. This past year, uh, Tori and I, we were, we were praying at the end of 2018. Yeah, there we go. I about said end of 2020. I'll tell you about my time traveling later. I'm just kidding. We were praying at the end of 2018, and as we were praying, um, I was working for a company at the time and, and, and had a, a really nice salary five figures. I was working there part-time, working for the church part-time, and we felt like God was calling us to step away from that and focus solely on the church. And so I walked away from a five-figure salary knowing that that I was going to focus on the church full-time. And you say, well, what was the plan? Is the church going to pay? The church wasn't going to pay me no more money. It wasn't, we weren't there. We believed God was calling us to step out in faith. And so we did. And can I tell you, we've watched God provide over and over and over and over again. We've gone on vacations. We've gone on trips. We've been able to go out to eat. We've been able to bless other people through this whole time. And I'm telling you, it's because we trust God with our finances. And it's not because we trust him with 10%. Biblical generosity begins at 11. Tithing just means you quit stealing God's money. When you trust God with 11, 12, and beyond, and you give God access to everything, you experience blessings that you never thought were possible. And it always comes in ways you didn't think it would come. Random checks in the mail. I'll tell you this. Some of y'all saw, so I had my birthday yesterday. Um, it was awesome. And, uh, and, but earlier this week, um, my wife rented me a Tesla for my birthday. Um, right, that's a good wife. So, in incredible, incredible. So, she rents me a Tesla. She drives it. We drive it for the day. But when she was down there um, talking to the guy who she was renting the Tesla from, um, one of the things that he asked was, was it actually my birthday? And she said, no, his birthday's Saturday, but we're going to be serving the community that day. And, uh, and then she left, and she got a text message from him a little while later that said, hey, we just want to say thank you so much for all you guys are doing in the community. Um, so we've comped your ride. I got a free Tesla, right, for the day. You say, so, so I'm thinking, all right, this guy, like, 
he, he's probably, his, maybe his dad's a pastor or whatever. So we go and we're talking. Um, we, we go to meet up to give the car back. I didn't want to do that, but we had to. And, and, uh, and so go to give the car back to him and we're talking and, and it really just kind of came around to like, why? Like, like what led you to that decision? Because what you're doing is you're being a good steward of the resources that God's blessed you with. So why? And he said, oh, well, man, I'm not a, I'm not a church guy. I don't really do the God thing. But, but here's, here's what I realized. You guys are on the front lines and you're just dealing with people. So thank you. Here's what I know. God prompted him to bless us. I didn't see it. Didn't think that would be the way blessing came. But when you trust God with your first and you trust God with everything else, what you're able to see is that you don't have to worry about what you're going to eat or how you're going to clothe yourself. Because the God who owns a cattle on a thousand hills has already sent something to slaughter on your behalf. He has paved the way and made a way to cover you financially. And so this holiday season, what you and I are going to do is we're going to give up on materialism we're going to stop just building stuff here. We're going to make an eternal impact on the world. We're going to make sure that we have the right eyes when it comes to our money. And we're going to throw some stakes in the ground to declare that we serve God and not money every single time. Will you join me in prayer? Let's pray. And Father, we uh, love you so much. And we believe that, that there are people here right now who have uh, been trusting in things other than you for salvation. Maybe we've trusted in our own ability to provide. We've trusted in our own wealth or financial status or job security. And we think that that's, those are the things that are going to save us. But we know that your word says it's only through Christ we're saved. So, Lord, right now, I pray you'd reveal to those people who are in here who don't have a relationship with you that they need to begin one today. If you feel the Lord drawing you to begin a relationship with him, here's what I want you to do real quick. I just want you to lift your hand to say, hey, that's me. I need to begin a relationship with Jesus. I see those. I see those. Here's what we're going to do, church. Nobody prays alone. Let's all pray together. Say this with me. Dear Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place so that I could have new life. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, do me a favor. Keep your head bowed and eyes closed for just a second. There's some of you who are currently serving money as your master. And today's the day that that gets broken off of your life. One of the best ways that you do that is you choose to be generous. But first, you need to publicly declare that no longer will you serve money as your master, but you will serve God. If that's you today and you need to make that declaration, just do me a favor and boldly lift your hand for a moment and say, that's me. I see those. I see those. Here's what we're going to do, church. I'm going to pray over you. Father, we love you. We thank you so much for your grace and we thank you for your mercy. Today, your children are here declaring that they have a desire to no longer serve money and serve you. So we pray that the spirit of mammon is broken off of their life in Jesus' name. God, we pray that financial bondages and strongholds will be broken off in Jesus' name. 
We pray that generational curses of financial strife would be broken in Jesus' name and that today would be a day of declaration where we declare we serve God above all else, not money. We love you, Lord. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen.